Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Group Podcast. I'll be your host, AJ Gibson. Today, we'll be going over some key takeaways from our speaker's latest webcast on intellectual property law. And our first segment starts with Andrew Wasson from Haug Partners and Richard Mortimer from the Analysis Group, discussing what's new and what's old with BPCIA. I think what we've seen in the, in the data is compelling. So the number one, that it seems like there's a, a small uptick in uh, in parties not dancing. Uh, you know, I will say that you know I, I, what I don't want to imply is that you know that that's a one size one size fits all situation. I think the all the different factors that Richard just stated, I think, are true and are unique to each situation. But it does seem like there's an uptick. And one of those reasons is I also Richard, what Richard said was really interesting in terms of just of timing. That's another additional thing. Uh, you don't engage in the dance. You know, you can try to get some resolution, maybe settlement or something earlier. Uh, the, in terms of patents, again, you know, what we are seeing is we are seeing um, more patents uh, being asserted uh, and uh, on, on lists and, and asserted, and it really behooves you to, um, as early as possible, put together a comprehensive plan if on either side of, of, of whether you're an applicant or uh, a sponsor as to how to deal with, um, you know, understand your portfolio, understand how people might challenge your portfolio, and think through ahead of time what um, uh, what actions you take in terms of and what your position would be uh, given various uh, maneuvers from the other side during the dance. Thank you. Uh, key takeaways from Richard Mortimer. Take a minute, please, sir. Great. No, thank you. I mean, I think um, you know, some of the key takeaways is, is one, to keep in mind through the IP litigation process of what the incentives are in terms of, uh, of getting on the market for the, um, the biosimilar and the biologics, what's at stake, the brand biologics, what's at stake there. I think, uh, you know, as Andrew mentioned, the complexity of the patent portfolio um, raises an interesting decision process within the, the, uh, the patent dance case in terms of whether the patent dance is helpful for clarifying that or whether the perception is that uh, the brand biologic is going to um, uh, you know, whatever patents come out of the patent dance, the brand biologic is still going to assert additional patents uh, later in the process, uh, and whether the patent dance is, is helpful in facilitating getting through that or actually bogs down the, 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 um, the process and, uh, and causes sort of a longer um, negotiation. Uh, so I think, you know, those are things I would keep in mind, and then also that the participants here are really coming at it from a unique perspective, that you have... Um, you have participants who are, in some cases, a defendant on some of these cases, and on other cases, they're serving as the plaintiff. And how that balance of, of sort of wearing two hats, which is something I think we haven't really seen that much of in past uh, IP litigation in pharma, uh, where on the generic side, it's typically you have a, just a generic company or, or a brand company, and they're, they're traditionally um, one and the same, uh, you know, playing one role or the other. Here you have companies playing both roles, and does that change the way in which they approach and think about both the IP litigation and the way in which they, they approach and think about um, competing on the market after entry. Our second segment includes Laura Smalley from Harris Beach PLLC and James Gale from Cozen O'Connor LLP discussing intellectual property law trends. Even though the Supreme Court um, has taken the Helsin case 
I would still make sure to either file your patent application um, timely within any sale or make sure that any arrangement for contract manufacturing or testing or any preliminary activities with regard to the patented invention are not characterized as a sale and are kept confidential. Great stuff. And Jim, what about, what about yourself? Well, as I say, the biggest takeaway that I have is on the, uh, the TC Heartland case, um, which is, you know, evaluate your smaller and medium-sized clients to determine whether or not they need to be uh, domesticated and incorporated in Delaware to the extent you can change it from Delaware to where you have a greater hometown presence, I would do that. I have been actually actively advising clients to change their state of incorporation from Delaware to where their principal place of business is. And um, it has already shown benefits because you know, a couple of times after they've changed their state of incorporations, they've gotten sued in Delaware and it was an easy motion to transfer for improper venue uh, based upon the fact that they were no longer domesticated in Delaware uh, and incorporated in Delaware, but rather in, a, in another state. So that's my key takeaway for this, for this presentation. Our following segment is from Mu Yang, from Condo Rosia Cap 2 LLP, giving key points on patent licensing. Standards are not just about interoperability. I, I think the standard setting process is really you know, beneficial to innovation. Um, the process fuels innovation. So think about, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about telecom communication again. The telecommunication technology has advanced so much in the past 20 years. We went from not so smart, like dumb phones to, you know, now we're working on um, the new radio 5G smart city, right? So the, the advancement is absolutely amazing. And I will argue that, you know, but for the 3GPP standard setting process, it is impossible for cellular technology to, you know, advance at this amazing speed. So companies need to be incentivized to contribute to their technology to the standard um, and, um, you know, continue to send their best and brightest engineers to the standard uh, setting process um, and have them solve technical issues together as, a, you know, um, and if you think about this, I mean, this is really research and development sharing, right, R&D sharing. This system is very efficient. So um, to continue to make this R&D sharing system to work, um, SCPE patents need to play an important role in uh, incentivizing companies to participate in this process. And, uh, you know, and I think that the companies, the SCP holders, need to be compensated. Um, you know, they need to be afforded uh, a fair return on their innovation um, for this R&D sharing system to work. Thank you for listening to our intellectual property law update, number one. Make sure to visit us at thenodgegroup.org and use coupon code PODCAST25 to get 25% off your next webcast purchase. If you have any questions regarding this update, please see the full details in the description below. And with that, all of us here from the Nodge Group would like to wish everyone a good day. Know, lead, succeed.